anyway, <laughs> whatever. Anyways, <laughs> welcome back to the Project Gen X oh, podcast. Here we go. I am one of your hosts, Alan Smith, along with... I'm the other guy, Big Dave. And if you haven't uh, guessed from uh, that little intro, we are going to be talking about grunge since... Basically, we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of grunge taking over the mainstream. Well, I mean, you can go ahead and call it grunge. I'm going to call it the Seattle. We'll call movement. it it's the Seattle. I know. I know they hate it as well, and I, I understand why. <clears throat> I completely understand why. Uh, we, they and, hate um, it for the same reason that we hate the fact that everybody thinks Nashville is nothing but country. Oh, dude. We need to, anyway, we won't even get. We're not going to get sidetracked less than a minute into this thing. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was interesting. I sent a couple things over to Dave to watch. One of them was the um, the documentary. Hype, uh, which came out in what ninety six, I think it was. Is that correct? It was one of those things that it wasn't all that long after. No, um, after Seattle broke, and um, there was another. It was basically Seattle's version of this is what happened, and we hate you all because you. you oh, took absolutely. Us. Yeah. Um, it. Um, oh yeah, nineteen ninety six is when it when it was released. Um, or uh, and it's one of those things where I remember before we get into the actual history of of, of all of that. Yeah, I remember when Nirvana broke in '91. You know, it was one of their album was released in September. Um, smells like Teen Spirit hit the radio was right around that same time but it took a few months before it really started gaining traction and it was MTV that really broke them yeah because they started showing that video of smells like teen spirit and it started catching on like they were showing it like at night like overnights and the people started like hey well, what was that video with the yeah you know with the in in the in the the gymnasium with those guys you know with the hair in their eyes and stuff and you know it was kind of one of those yeah. and it just broke and it just kept breaking and kept breaking and kept breaking and you know knocked Michael Jackson off number 1 in early 92 yeah. and it just it just kept going and and it brought a bunch of other bands behind them um but we got to go back before that way before that yeah because it's cuz honestly this scene started in like 84, 85. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot, people, a lot of these bands that everybody talks about being 90s grunge bands oh yeah. actually started well, way back got, in the mid-80s. The, the one, the, the consensus when people start talking about who was the first quote-unquote grunge band, they, they tend to say Green River was was it. I mean, there are other, it's kind of it's like saying who was the first punk band. You know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, it, it started with the Ramones or it started with this or that. It's like, yeah, but Iggy and the Stooges was before that and the MC5 was before yeah. that. And, and you know, it's like there is at least elements of that you music know, and, there. And, and people you know? talk and about Green River, but honestly, the Melvins were around doing the what Melvins they were doing were around, in 85, 86. The Melvins were around prior to that, and, and they definitely have the, yeah. the elements of, of what we would call grunge was there. Uh, because there, it was one of those things where they took a little <clears> bit of metal and a little bit of punk and you know a little bit of garage rock and they just threw it all together you know added and, their own weirdness into yeah, the mix and, and just very much so <laughs> especially with the melvin and i love the melvins don't get me wrong you know it's a i actually because of this rediscovered my love for the melvins yeah so. well it's funny because you know you, when you look into seattle as far as music goes Jimi hendrix is from up around that area yeah matter of fact his you know that's very famous you know his heart heart is from up there 
uh, Queensryche. Queensryche was a there. huge Seattle yeah. band, and they were but like, they were in the metal scene, exactly. and they had left and gone to L.A. to do right. you know get their contract. Duff McKagan came out of the Seattle scene, yeah, uh, before he joined Guns N' Roses in L.A. Uh, yeah, and because he played in punk bands around you know that area and stuff like that, and so it's. It's really kind of interesting to, to look at what was going on pre-Nirvana because like both of the, this, we watched Hype and then we also, I, I sent Dave this link to a, it was it was the 10th anniversary of Grunge special that VH1 and Spin Magazine did together. Uh, back, so that was that was about 20 years ago when this I, came I, out, okay? I'm, I've got things to say about that. I know, I've got that. things to say about that too. But the reason why, I remember watching it when it was released at the time. Yeah. Because there was actually an article, I mean, a, a, a an ep, episode, an issue of Spin Magazine that had to do, it was like, you know, 10 years later, you know, type stuff. Yeah. And of course now we're 30 years later, which is, I can't believe it. Uh, but it's one of those things that, you know, they talk to a lot of people. And I'm going to say this. Okay. I was never a fan of Spin. I never no, really I know, liked Spin. I never have either. Um, everybody was like, ah, oh, Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone. And, and then there was Spin. Right. Uh, the magazine, the two magazines I used to read was Rip Magazine for right. the metal side and Alternative Press right. for everything else. I was an Alternative, alternative Press. Press has guy. their own issues, you know. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> and, At least it's not Pitchfork, you know. <laughs> and the other, well, they weren't even around know, at that time. But, I'm just saying. But the know. other magazine that I subscribed CMJ? to was CMJ. Yeah, man. CMJ was great because you get a CD or a cassette or whatever. That's it was where at the time, I, you know, that's where you, I would hear a lot of the new music that I was going to be listening to mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was getting released to college radio first. Right. Well, I had no idea where I was out in the middle of nowhere in right. Illinois at the time. You know, I didn't know what college radio was. Yeah. All I knew is that this magazine came with a I left of the CD. dial, man. You had to go all the way over there. <laughs> had a CD full of music that right, nobody right. around here has ever heard of, and I love this. Right. Stuff. Well, you know, that's you, you get into. There, like we're talking about the pre, the the pre explosion, okay? Yeah. Which the boiling cauldron that would become Allison Chains scene. was really the first big band that broke out of out of that scene. Yeah, like wide broke wide out of that but scene. They were a, hold they on, were a, hold on. That, that this we're going to get into. I know there are other. I mean, because it was you had you know okay, but but let, let's let's go back even before Allison Chains. So we said the Green River was kind of is, is considered you know one of the first grunge bands or whatever but the thing is is that you mm-hmm. you had green river and then green river broke up yeah and the members of green river two co- of them two of them went to go form mother love bone with andy wood that was, who had been in a band called malfunction that was around with the same time right. that green river was and green river went to become the other guys went on to become mud honey mud honey now we know that when Andy Wood died of... We, we've well, talked about this the extensively reason, on The here. reason they split up is because Jeff and Stone... They wanted to be a little more they wanted to be more. <laughs> they wanted to be more metal. They, wanted, they were really pushing to get the contract. We right, want to get right. the contract. We want to get out of here. The other two were very much about the punk sensibility. Exactly, exactly. And... and you know, once again, and actually, if you go and listen to that Mother Love Bone album. And actually, if you watch the the documentary, there's a bunch of people that blame the lead singer of Mud Honey for even coining the term grunge. Yeah, I know, and 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 he kind of he laughs about it in the the other one, you know, yeah. in, in the the VH1, you know, about that kind of stuff. And but it's one of those. So you get that you get that kind of stuff going on. You have, uh, and then of course, Allison Chains breaks out of there, right? And that was kind of the what's this sound because they were it was one of those things that they were I I always thought of them as a metal band 
I especially did too. off facelift. But there was right. definitely something darker to them than than a it lot of. It was darker. It was heavier. It, yeah, it had a groove to it. Yeah, and, and it was so it was one of those things that like you know you know they famously that that first album. Yeah, you know they toured with. Um, uh, you know that was that when the um, Clash of the Titans tour happened in 1990. Yeah, that was Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth toured together, and the opening act was Alice in Chains. Yep. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like okay, and then they they opened for Van Halen. Yep. At one, you know, they I think they opened for Ozzy. Uh, you know, when he was on the oh. No More Tours tour. You know, it's one of those things that, as a matter of fact, yeah, I know they did because Mike Inez was playing with them at that point. He wound up taking Mike Starr's place. Yeah. When uh, you know <laughs> after that, um, so it's one of those things that like they were they were really lumped in with that that scene. But like I said, you go back and you listen to especially Mr. Scary. Yeah. That song, it's like, man, this is uh or no, no, not Mr. Scary. Uh, I was going to say young. that that was that's young. docking. We die young. <laughs> I'm sorry, we die young is the name of the song. Yeah. It's the first, it's, it's the first song on the on facelift and it's like, what is this? And of course, Man in the Box has got just a real dark in the video. I remember seeing the video the first time and being like, what the hell is this? I saw the video the first time. I was like, this is awesome. I know, I know, but guys? I was just like, wow, this is this this went someplace weird, you know? It's just like <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, you had you had that. Now as well, Soundgarden had been around for a long time. Oh, sound I had been listening to Soundgarden for several years now, at this point. I heard Soundgarden what was the album? Was it Loud Love? Was the album before um, Bad Motor Bad Finger? Finger. Hold on. And the way that I heard of Soundgarden was because I heard them on Metal Shop. That you know when I would listen to it, like one one weekend I was listening to Metal Shop and laying in bed at midnight when I was supposed to be asleep, you know, listening to the radio, and they were talking about this band Soundgarden, and I was like, that's an interesting name. And I remember listening to it, and again, it was like, okay, I can see where their influences come from, but this doesn't sound like the rest of the stuff they're playing. Yeah. here you know <clears throat> and um so it's one of those things those bands were already around had been around well for a i remember while. the first thing and this is going to sound strange because it later shows up on the pump up the volume soundtrack mm-hmm. one of the first songs i remember hearing from soundgarden was heretic right right and yeah and that maybe was released in 1990 so i mean it's, yeah. they, they they had been around for so it was one of those things where seattle was kind of like they were they were kind of getting their fingers out into the world a little, you know, their feet out into the world a little bit, to where it was like, okay, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And then the irony of it all is that Nirvana comes along and breaks, and they're not even from Seattle. <laughs> louder, louder than love. Louder than love. Yeah. yeah. And so it's one. Yeah, you know, they're from Aberdeen, and it's like this is not even like a suburb of Seattle. This is like two hundred miles away, you know, type thing. And it's like, and now this is supposed to be the representative of. Seattle, you know, it's yeah. like, but you know, even before they broke, you know, you had bands like Tad we talked about. Oh, you know? yeah, uh, you had, I mean, you had posies, yeah, the posies, you, know, you had Seven Year Bitch, you had a whole bunch of L7 came out of there, L7 came out of there, you know, and it, and it was when, when, when Nirvana broke, the Super Suckers are the out Super Suckers, that. that's right, which I've seen them play live. Oh, Screaming Trees came Screaming out of there, trees, you know, I mean, that, yeah. and, and the thing, I think we talked that Screaming Trees actually released an album. In early 1991, yeah. that didn't, you know, this was before they, before, again, before all that broke. Well, before um, Cameron. Right. Well, that they he, uh, he put them singles, on the single soundtrack, yeah. which we'll get to that in a minute because I have mixed feelings on, on that whole situation. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's one of those things that, like I said, 
It was there. It was just kind of waiting for something to happen, and then it happened. Skin yard. Oh, skin almost yard. forgot about skin yard. Skin yard. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, now, if you go and you watch the movie, you watch the hype documentary. Okay, they talk to a lot of local bands that you've never heard of before. Yes, uh, yeah, and they show them play and you know, that kind of stuff, and it's kind of cool because you're getting more of the local flavor of this is the type of stuff that happened it's this, around here. You know, yeah, you know, there's what everybody knows. Right, and this is actually what was going right. on. Right, and and yeah. you know, and they 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 going through and they're talking, and of course they're talking about the big names that you know, but they're talking about yeah. like no, but then there was this other band that. You know, there was this band, uh, yeah, there was this, this band. band, and that kind of like you know, Dead Moon. They talk yeah, about Dead I know, Moon. I know. And, and who, if you actually go back and listen to some of their stuff, it's very much that you can tell they were all in the same room recording to like a four track. Exactly. And, well, I and a lot of a lot of the early stuff that they play on that reminds me a lot of you know 89 90 91 on wrvu which right was, it was a local radio a vanderbilt's, college radio vanderbilt's station, right. college radio right station. and you know and it's one of those things too you know i mentioned malfunction which was yeah. the band that andy wood came from and you know they were a lot more glam and oh they you know, were very much glam you know and, and that they were type more of stuff, hollywood or, uh, yeah uh, new york dolls they really were stuff. you know and it's one of those things that you know and, and andy wood brought that to um mother love bone you know it's like and and of course, you know, after Andy Wood died, that's when um, Chris Cornell and and the guy and you um, get the and, Temple, and, of, the and the Temple of the Dog stuff. And it's and the, the thing that I did not know until we watched until I watched Hype was that Chris Cornell was Andy Wood's roommate. I didn't realize. I oh, knew they really? were close. You didn't know that? I knew they were close, but I didn't realize they were roommates. That yeah. was the whole. And so that made a whole lot more sense once you come back and you listen to Say Hello to Heaven, but especially when you listen to Reach Down. Yeah. Cause that, and I knew I knew that that's that both of those songs were specifically about Andy Wood. Yeah, but I didn't realize that they were as close as as everybody had said. You know, or that they were as close as as they were. You know. Yeah. Um, the once you get into and, and really when it broke Temple of the Dog, it's a good album. Such a good album. Some man. of it's really good. If I never have to hear, it's okay. Look, there are what twelve tracks on the album. You could cut one song completely off of there, and it would be awesome. And that's that stupid say uh, hunger strike. Hunger strike. Like I, it, the only song that Eddie Vedder is on. The only no, song. No, it's not the only one. Well, he might sing background vocals on some stuff. That's the only one that he takes a lead vocal on. But and basically, Temple of the Dog is where Pearl Jam is formed. Yeah. Because that's where Eddie well, Vedder and they that yes they were working together at yeah. the time they were they were starting to come together because the thing is is that like that album came out in 1990 like late 90 or something like that yeah the first Pearl Jam album was released the same day as Nevermind yeah. people forget that uh, but it was one of those things where Nirvana went on to be huge and it took Pearl Jam like six months or so before they started really yeah. getting some you know some play and everything so they had a little longer you know, trying to, to find their, you know, find their way in the world. But it was by when you're doing your foot. thing. No, again. that's the dog. That's Tate scratching. Are you kidding I'm, me? He's huge. Okay. <laughs> that's shaking the whole house. Yes. That's Tate. I have a, I have a great Pyrenees that, that I'm, it's, I'm the thing I'm is the size of a lion. He is, he's 110 pounds and he's huge. And when he, when he, when he scratches, 
it's one of those things that, of course, he always hits the floor, and it yeah. does. It shakes the entire room when he does it. So <laughs> you got to understand, he's he is like across the house well, from where we are. Yeah, my room's on the other side of that wall over yeah, there, so was, it's not that. But so yeah, that that was Tate. So that's that kind of freaked me out. He's for a, a minute. he's a good dog. Now I will say this: as hard as we've been on Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. when I found out he was actually a surfer from yep. San Diego. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't know. You didn't know that part. Yeah. I didn't know that explains so much more. See, and now I feel like I understand a little bit I better. Think, I think it was in the hype documentary that they kind of talked about um, Vetter a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe it was something else that I was watching where they kind of got into the or they got in the whole Pearl Jam. No, I take I take that back. I watched another video. Uh, there's this there's this YouTube and I, and I'll post it in the link so you can see okay. it. There's a. Uh, uh, it's called Rock and Roll True Stories. It's this YouTube channel that I follow, and they were actually talking about the um, the Nirvana Pearl Jam rivalry of sorts, yeah. you know, which wasn't as big as everybody was trying to make it out to be. But there was a, there was an article where Cobain talks about that they really started the whole thing, yeah, early, like maybe in '92 or something, and he said that he didn't have respect for Pearl Jam because they were doing all the stuff that they thought that they needed to do in order to be famous rather than actually doing it for the music, which is yeah. something that, that that Eddie Vedder has always been like, no, we're about the music. But the thing is, is that when they were first together, uh, and again, this another story that I'd heard, I'd read somewhere, Yeah, like they did a bunch of... <laughs> They got on a bunch of benefit concerts in the very beginning when they first got together, you know, like Save the Wills or whatever it was, you know, this, yeah. these things were going on in Seattle. And, of course, they weren't, like, headlining, but they were on it. And it was one of those things that they got on all of these all of this, these shows, and Eddie Vedder was purposely getting them on the shows for the press, less the we actually believe in any of these causes stuff. It was more of a, no, if we get on these shows, then it's going to get us the exposure we need to, in yeah. order to, which I can't blame them for that because that's what you do as a band. Okay, fine. I'll go do this thing. But it was one of those things that they really tried to make a big push of like, Oh yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're really behind all these causes and stuff. But ultimately what it came down to is they really were just trying to get the, yeah. the you know, and let's be so, honest, the, the scene in Seattle was came out of their punk rock scene absolutely which yeah. it was very much about the music absolutely who cares very if, much who cares D- if we get famous right of course very, in the back of your mind you know we all want to get famous I know, but it's about you know, the music man and, and that's the whole thing is that <laughs> as much as i'm not a huge fan of kid rocks okay i remember seeing him in an interview one time where they were talking he was talking about that stuff and he's like yeah yeah of course we're all in it for the music but let's be honest we're in it to get chicks <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> and like oh good he's grief got a point <laughs> yeah well uh, <laughs> i started learning to play guitar because i thought it'd be a way for me to meet women and i learned to really love music in the process and it became about something completely different yeah. and i'm here to tell you right now i have never ever picked up a woman because i played guitar okay (laughs) it's true so okay back to this music so we've got the seattle scene it's coming out of the punk rock scene it's basically all the way back to like 84 85 86 um and what really kind of gets the scene going is the release of the the now infamous deep six right it's a sub pop 
put it out. And, yeah. Um, was it Sub Pop that did that? Uh, no, it was. No, it was, it was, it was uh, CG yeah. CZ Records. That's right. That's right. And it was what Soundgarden and uh, it was the Melvins. Melvins it was Soundgarden, yep. Green River, Allison Chains. Um, there were a couple. I can't remember the other maybe two. Maybe Skinyard. Yes, yeah, Skinyard was on it, and I can't remember who the other one there was. There was another one. I, wonder if uh, I, I know. I wish I had it. Had it here. I think I may have. And if you have a copy of that on vinyl and original pressing, that thing's worth a lot of money a now. A lot of money. Uh, a lot of money now. Um, and, and that was kind of you know you sit there and you look at all the na- all the bands you just named there, and they are the you know well what you call the the Godfathers. Yeah, of absolutely. The Seattle movement. And uh, so it's that happened, and then Sub Pop really started pushing and, a lot of these bands, and then you get. Sub pop. <laughs> so we could do a whole episode just on sub pop. Which okay. Sub, it's, uh, <laughs> sub pop was, they advertised themselves as a record company. Right. But let's be honest, they were a marketing right. company. And it's funny um, in both and of these docs that we watched, people were just like, man, those were, guys, they, they lied. <laughs> they, <laughs> well, they, they, they all admitted that they were instrumental in yes. making the Seattle scene what it was. Right. They were instrumental in um, basically setting up like a Motown type hit yes, record right, system right where they you know it was more about the label it was the same, but it was also it was the same people in the same studios in the same you right know, same producers and, same everything yeah and they were more about marketing the actual record company right. because if any kid saw sub pop on an out and i remember yep. this happening oh it's a new sub pop out there well, this it's a new band on sub pop they must be good right. and i remember like seeing sub pop like after all, especially around the time that all this was breaking, yeah, seeing like you know you would like you in magazines and stuff, they'd be like you know these like these um, well, there'd so, be ads for like for like t-shirts and stuff, and yeah. it would be like Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Sub Pop, yeah, and it was like well, and, the, and okay, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, all the Sub Pop compilation albums mm-hmm. that came, I think I've even got a couple. And they of even them. not only that, but they would also put together tours, like Sub Pop tours, yeah. where they would send you know several bands on the label out together, and yeah, I mean, yeah, they a, they took a Motown mentality to you know rock music, right? Um, and that's one of the things also you know Tad talked about. Yeah. He was like, you know, they really wanted me to be like this big lumberjack. Guy, you know, you know? I, it's like you know, I had the flannel. They like put this flannel on. Now hold this chainsaw. Right, on. Now we're gonna know. take a picture. He goes, dude, I'm from South Dakota. I know exactly. <laughs> you know, it's that they, they really were like pushing like, certain things. Like that a, helped the lumberjack image. Uh, yeah, I know, know exactly. You know? It's I know, like, it's a. But but it's one of those. There things. There are that, multiple people across two documentaries. Here's like. You know, I don't want to talk bad about them, and I love those guys, but but <laughs> they are the biggest liars right. on the face of the planet. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, so all of the elements were sitting there for a while of this this new music movement. You know, yeah. And um, it was Jonathan Poman and Bruce Pavitt. Yeah, and their photographer uh, Charles Peterson. Yeah, he's the one that did the. Um, um, he did all the photography. He did for like all of it. Any any photography that you see of Seattle bands from ninety no earlier than well that. yeah but I'm but I'm talking about when they really started it, yeah. yeah it was earlier than that but up until about ninety four or so it was him yeah. he's the one that put out that uh, that collection of I can't remember the name of the book I wish I could remember it was all of the photographs he took of all like it was Alice in Chains and Nirvana yeah. and Pearl Jam like all these and of course Skin Yard and a bunch of those other bands but it was one of those things where it was kind of the definitive. Yeah. Hey, this this these are the pictures of the revolution, you know, type stuff. 
Um, speaking of the revol- quote unquote the revolution, it didn't take long before the bands in Seattle really hated <laughs> all of this. <laughs> it did not take long yeah. at all. Uh, and I don't blame them because it's one of those things where all of a sudden people started moving to Seattle to get discovered to get discovered. Yeah. Uh, or you have bands like Candlebox that came out of Seattle who <laughs> played like six shows before they were signed, you know, Which, and let me say this okay. in the, in the hype documentary, mm-hmm. you don't hear about any of those bands. Mm-mm. You get to VH one and all At of a the sudden, very end of it, you hear about them. That you was know, it. All, yeah. all of a sudden you get candle box right. and you hear a mention of stone temple pilots right, right. and, um, uh, you get a, Bush you get an it's interview. All the, it's all the, the second wave quote unquote grunge bands. You get you an know? interview a, from, um, what's his name from, um, um, Oh, God, why it just left my head. Did the song Father of Mine? Oh, Art Alexakis, yeah. Yes, Who was from you. Port, outside of Portland. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things. He was up in that area, yeah. So, technically, he's from there. Kind of. Well, Kinda. He's, from, he's from the Pacific Northwest, yeah. but, but not from that area, you know. No. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. You start getting into all this, and we'll, we'll get to the second wave grunge stuff here in a yeah. second. Um. But it's funny because, like, even with Nirvana, whenever they whenever they went into the studio to record in utero, you know, there's two different there's there's two different recordings of that album. One of them was recorded as Steve Albini, yeah, did it, and they took it to the record label, and the record label was like, "There's no way we're putting this out," and so they went back in with a different producer, and I don't know if they re-recorded or if he just like went in and like re-engineered it, you know, and like kind of remixed, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's the one that actually was released. They specifically, I remember Cur- Cobain in an interview when they were recording in Euro saying that he was, he was going to make an album that would basically chase off all the Nirvana fans, you know, because it was yeah. a, I'm tired of all these, you know, and well, that's something that they covered in the, they covered, in, I think it was in the VH1 where they're talking about like all of a sudden the people that, we didn't want his fans were our fans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, well, that was actually Cornell. Or yeah. No, it was Kim Thale. It was Kim Thale. Yeah, it was Kim right. Thale yeah, who was right. talking about that. Yeah. But before we even get to Nevermind, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of this stuff's going on and all of a sudden Kurt, you know, shows up to what, what I can't think of the name of the recording, the, the recording studio it was, but this kid, he goes, this kid shows up with this band mm-hmm. and, goes, I want to record an album. And he's like, yeah, okay, you know, come on in. And he was like, in the matter of a day, they cranked out 10 songs, mm-hmm. which I think ended up being like Bleach. Oh, yeah. Going, going back. Going to, all the yeah, way back. To 89 when they, yeah. And, and that's a, that's um, people forget that too. And Bleach he, was their first album. Yeah. That came out in 89. And Grohl wasn't with them. It no. was a different drummer yeah. at that time. Yeah. And the guy took this this cd he was like do you, he was like this is amazing can i keep a copy of this for myself mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. let him and he took that over to sub pop it was like you need to listen to this right. these guys are going to be huge right right and it was one of the things they talked about i think it was in the vh1 i know we keep popping back and forth because we were drawing from both of these you know yeah. there's also a great book and i have not I, I did not read it for this i've read excerpts from it and it's on my list and my reading list when i get around to it called everyone loves our town that came out in like the late nineties, early two thousands, but it's like basically about all of this era. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, the, uh, the whole thing is that like when, you know, they were on sub pop with bleach. Oh, I remember. And then they switched, they went to, 
to Geffen. That's the whole. Nirvana, well, Nevermind was released on Geffen, and when they did yeah. that, it was really a whole people. Oh, they sold out. They blah blah blah. You yeah. know, and everything. Uh, what was really interesting about about that because there's there's one story that the 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 dude from the Super Soakers or Super the Super Suckers told. There you go. That said. Um, they was at a party and somebody played. They played Nevermind, and they it was like, "Man, these guys are gonna be huge. They're gonna sell like a hundred thousand albums," <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because you know that would be huge for something yeah. on Sub Pop. You yeah. know, ultimately it went on to sell multi multi millions. But they, you know, you know, but they Sub Pop was stupid in the fact that they didn't have people sign the right. contracts, right. and they were everybody was jumping I ship know, left and right well, once the major the labels other moved in. story i heard from billy corgan like when he was i think it was on the joe rogan and he was talking about was corgan out of that group no but see corgan see you don't remember that like they were i was like i don't smashing, remember the no, smashing no, no, pumpkins no. being part of any of that well uh corgan did actually he was in the vh1 documentary yeah uh, about, but, I, but no he no they're out of like, chicago they're pumpkins are out of chicago yeah, but the thing is, like, is they had been, even here they had been around for a while they released um um their first album was it silva uh they released it like early in 91 Okay, and it was one of those things. So they had been around for a while. They yeah. had toured with some of this stuff. But the the story I heard from Billy from him when I think he was on Joe Rogan, and they were talking about Nirvana, like the first time they heard they heard the the Nevermind album. Uh, he was friends with Kurt Cobain because well for a lot of reasons. You know, he dated uh, Courtney Love before. Kurt did, yeah. You know, it was kind of one. Of course, Courtney Love. You could, you Courtney could, Love has dated a lot of people. You, you could, you could put, you could, you could do the the whole like, you know, the conspiracy board with all the lines and stuff, and it would just like be one big red splotch on the wall if you started going through all that. If you stuff, go back to some of the early Faith No More stuff, she was on that. I know. She shows up I know. in the credits. I know. It was like she was, is... she was in the band for a little while. Uh, but anyways, so the whole thing was that like Corgan said that he was at a, he was at a party. Oh, I forget who it was. I forget what party it was, but they had a copy of the of Nevermind. This is before it was yeah. released, and he said that uh, he was. They were listening to it, and like you know, they were listening to it, and it's like, okay, it was, and it was an industry type thing or whatever, you know. Yeah. And they were listening to it, and when it was over, they played it again, and they listened to it a second time, and when it was over, they played it again, and he said they played it like five or six times in a row, and it was one of those things that the buzz around this part, this this entire party was like, this is going to be huge. Like they 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 didn't have a whole lot of, of of like faith in them to begin with. Like oh they're going to be a huge bands. Like yeah they'll, they'll probably sell and they'll do well or whatever. But it was like at, he he said that was when he knew that Nirvana was getting ready to break. Yeah, you know type stuff. And he even like went and told Kirk about that. And Kurt was like, really? Oh, okay. You know, kind of like, and then it, it did. And of course it completely, you know, yeah. it completely sideswiped the band of like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was one poor, of those things that it was, it was bubbling I, up. And you I know? hate to say this, but poor Dave Grohl, uh, having just joined this band, not knowing what's about to happen to mm -hmm. him. Literally. He, he had not been in the band long at all. No. Like basically came on to record the album and, no, and that was it. And I remember back in the day seeing an interview with Kurt Cobain, just like talking about Dave Grohl. Mm -hmm. He was like, "When we got Dave in the band, I was like so excited. I like called my mom. I was like, Mom, we got the best drummer in the world.' Right? You know, it's like, <laughs> well, I'm not going to deny that because he is. He's a great. You know, I love like, Dave Grohl. He's my I know, spirit animal. I know. Have you seen the recent stuff between him and Courtney? 
There's been some recent some oh recent no stuff, I, but good for him. Now she she's all pissed about something. So anytime he anytime he can take the mick out of her, I'm, yeah, you know, supposedly they had buried the hatchet a while back. But, I hope it was squarely between her shoulder blades. <laughs> I know you don't like Courtney. Love, I don't so. like her at all. Yeah. Uh, but um, so it's so yeah, that explodes, and then you start you start. Singles was not very far. Now, you have to understand about the movie Singles, okay? That thing, that movie came out in the summer of 92, okay? So, from, it's like you're talking about Nirvana hits in November of 91. Yep. And then in the summer, there's a movie. Now, what you have to understand about that is that that movie was already in the process. It was already in production. Way before all this. Time. Now, what happened is that because Crow had heard rumblings about this music well, scene no, in Seattle, no, and was like, "You're not even, you're not even close on that." You know why he knew about the rumblings, or why he knew about the music scene? Okay, he was married to Nancy Wilson, and they lived in Seattle. Oh, that's a yeah. piece of information. I did so not it's know. one of those things that he was in and around. Okay, and you know, and it was like, "Hey, this is this might be pretty interesting," you know. So it was one of those things that he was he was writing this story, you know, yeah. and he was like. And he said, he's like, I wanted it, you know, he's like, he basically said that it could have been set anywhere, but he had been in and around this for a couple of years. Sure. And so he, but he was like, no, this is a great place to set this, you know, the setting for this. And it just so happened. It was kind of the synchronicity of everything, you know? Okay. So that's where that came from. Now I still have a little bit of mixed, like, I love that movie. Like I really do. I, yeah. But it's also one of those things where I'm like, no, it because it, it, I love Cameron Crowe, yeah, and I love um, that movie, and especially anything he does that's got mu- that's music related, I'm I'm in for it because yeah. he loves music. I mean, that there's there's no yeah. oh, he's definitely about it, you know? he's definitely a music guy and and uses music to tell a I, story. Yes, absolutely. But it's still one of those I, things. I really love the soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack's great. But it's funny because there's so there's like. Like Paul Westerberg's on there. It's like he's not from Seattle. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a Minneapolis thing, you know. It's a uh, now. Granted, you can kind of look at the Minneapolis like the punk stuff out of the you know them Husker Du and Soul Asylum coming out of Minneapolis, you know the replacements yeah. and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's there, like, there you were, can kind of see parallels between the two. There you know? were a lot of punk and pop punk scenes happening all at the same time. Right. I mean, there was even one here in Nashville at one for a little point. while. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's, it's the, punk music. It's and, and I think that that it's very it's fair to, to talk about the what we consider grunge in the punk ethos. Well, it came out of the it, punk. It absolutely ethos. did. I mean, it was it was definitely we're going to take a little bit from here and a little bit from well, here and they, slam them in and throw our own talk, stuff in it. I you forget know? who it was had a guitar and was talking about it and he was playing a chord sequence. Right, he right. goes, "This is punk rock." Right. He goes, "When it became grunge is when they instead of taking this note here, yeah. they moved it down." Right. Right. And it well, became this. It's one of those, chord. especially with like. The first time, like I said, the first time I heard Soundgarden, I was like, oh, they've listened to a lot of Black Sabbath. Yes. You know, and it's one of those, you can really hear the Sabbath influence in those, those early, especially the early Soundgarden stuff, yeah. you know. You can, you know, and it's one of those things, I'll be honest, at the time, I was not, I was not very familiar with the Pixies at all. Really? As, 
I became familiar with them over the years and became a big fan of theirs. It's like, oh, I see where Nirvana got all of their influences from. <laughs> well, some of it because yeah. Kurt Cobain was a stuff, but was a, a huge Black Flag, right? Right. Um, in fact, um, it was one of Buzz, the first one of the first shows he went to. Yeah, Buzz of the Melvins took Kurt to his first right. punk rock show, which happened to be Black Flag. Right. Right. And I remember now how um, Kurt and his original band got into that recording studios because he told the guy who ran it i'm friends with buzz okay and yeah, the that's guy right. was, the guy was like oh well any friend well, of the yeah, melvins yeah here. come yeah, on yeah, in yeah, yeah and uh so yeah it's, it's it's really cool to see again you can kind of take the the, the red strings and start yeah. the yarn and start going all around and, and that kind of stuff um as it grew then, uh, then, then the New happened. York and LA marketing, then it happened. And merchandising yeah, machines, you know, move and in. it's it's. I remember we've talked about this before. Yeah, now I know your your story is a little different than mine, but it was kind of one of those things. The first person I really remember seeing wearing a lot of flannel was Axl Rose. Like See, that I was, was I was doing you know, it before then. I know you were because you're. But you're, I lived. But I lived in you Illinois. Lived in a, you lived in a where colder it was climate. colder. I know, I know. You know. So a lot of my and see that was a thing with me because like around here, any or at least in my life, if you flannel was like a, a dad thing to wear. Yeah. You know. I mean, and it wasn't like the way they were wearing the well, flannel. It, it, it was, was it was buttoned up and tucked in, and you know, and all that kind of. stuff. It was kind of a dad like, thing up there too. Right. But you had to stay warm. Right. And so a lot of my wardrobe while I was living in Illinois was, you know, work boots, jeans, mm-hmm, T-shirt, mm-hmm. flannel shirt, coat over the flannel shirt, right. backwards hat. Right. You know, that, and, that's, that's pretty much so how I looked a lot of the time. The whole quote-unquote grunge look was really... Until I got a trench coat for a little while. Well, there you go. And then it was flannel under a trench coat. Oh, well, there you go. But yeah, Yes, but, I so was Silent Bob for a little yeah, while. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny that, like... How that all got co-opted all of a sudden. It was like, oh look, every band's wearing flannel and ripped jeans and yeah, and and combat boots, you know, or Doc Martens. Oh, it was all Doc Martens. Yeah, Doc Martens. Eventually, it became Doc Martens. But again, that comes from the punk stuff. Yeah, Doc Martens really do, you know. And I, I I I still love love my, I still love my Doc Martens. I'm I'm um, a a Chuck Taylor and Doc Martens guy. I love those. But I did. I, I I exclusively wore Docs for years. Yeah, you did. That's like you all me, I would wear. You made me jealous of some of your Docs because I, I couldn't man. afford them, and you had like seven or eight I had, pairs. I had four. You had all the pairs that I wanted that you can't get anymore. <laughs> I would. I would love to still have some of those, like the that, black and white wingtip Docs. That was Andy that had those. That was, was that Andy? Me. Yeah, that was not me. Okay, so I'm, that was I'm jealous me. of Andy because yeah. he had my favorite now, pair of I had, Docs. Remember, my favorite pair of Doc Martens, and I still have them because I just can't bring myself to the throw flames. them away. No, those are not Docs. Those were, um, um, oh, God, what were they? I can't remember. Anyways, but it, it was, uh, no, I've got this pair, and they're, they're basically, they're biker boots, but they're Doc Martens. Okay. And it's literally, it's one of those things, you know, they lace the regular way, but then they also have a buckle that comes across the top, mm. which that's all well and good, except for the fact that, like, in order to get in and out of them, you have to lace and buckle or unlace and unbuckle every time. So yeah. it's not an easy, like, you know, okay, I'll just, you know, uh, untie them and then take them off. It's like, no, this is going to be a process. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that, that um, God, I can't remember what the name of those those shoes were. I know I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah. I can't. Re- they, they weren't Docs though. Um, but yeah, Doc Martens. So you, know, you you now have the 
what I call the consumption of commodity. <laughs> Absolutely. Of, of well, they talk the about Seattle it. They talk scene. about it in the whole thing. It's like, you know, they're like, yeah. oh, you know, we, all of a sudden it's like, oh, look, you know, this this catalog has got a flannel shirt for 80 bucks. It's like, dude, I just bought that same shirt for $5 well, no, at the thrift store. I you think know? it was <laughs> Tad. It yeah. Was, it was Tad. It's like, you know, I'm sitting there and they're like, come in, they do this interview and they're like, okay. I know you're wearing flannel, but we want you to put this flannel on. Right. We want you to put these jeans right. on. We want exactly. you to put this on. Exactly. And then he came in and was like, flannel shirt, 80 bucks. Right. Doc Martens, $400. I know. It was whatever it was. Yeah. It? And it was, it was stupid. But I know. But Seattle got to get back at the marketing sh- machine a little oh, bit. Okay, the lexicon of grunge is one of the By greatest stories. Megan Jasper from Sub Pop. Is one of the greatest stories because she, and she has told this story so many times of yeah. she's sitting, she's at Sub Pop. And the phone rings, and she answers it, and it's this guy from the New York Times. Yeah. And he says, I have some questions about these this terminology, this lexicon. They call it the lexicon of, of grunge. Yeah. And he's what, like, what, what's the cop? What's the what's the new jargon, man? Right. What's the blah blah blah? And so she yeah. just starts making stuff up off the top of yeah. her head. Well, I'll see you on the flippity yeah. flop. And you know, the harsh realm was one of them. Yeah. That she came, which actually stuck around, which is funny because you know that was the name of a television show. You know that Chris yeah. Carter made in the '90s, and and you know different stuff like that. And it's just all this like really ridiculous stuff. And they said they had so much fun laughing about that. And then the Times got mad yeah. when they found out. <laughs> it's like, that's what you deserve, okay? This is <laughs> Welcome to Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of my, and I don't remember where it was that, that I, I saw this, because like, you know, Sean Kenny was introduced, was yeah. interviewed in the, the VH1. He was the, the drummer for uh, Alice in Chains. Yeah. And, and, and there was a, it wasn't in that one, but it was in another one where he was talking about like when, when Seattle broke. Yeah. He's like, and it was all of a sudden, all these people started moving to town and, and, you know, and, and we weren't happy about it. And he was like, you know, it's one of those things that get here, you know, and he's like, you know, you know, all of us that are from Seattle, we loved it, you know, because, you know, it's just, it's, it's our town and we've been here forever and it's cold and it's rainy all the time. And he looks straight in the camera and goes, and don't move to Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Allow me, allow me to um, echo that sentiment. Don't, don't move to move Nashville. To Nashville. We are so full. We've been full for a while. And, and we, we don't want like you, you to begin with. So it's, uh, <laughs> even before we were full, we didn't want you. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's a reason why we say, y'all come back now, you here. <laughs> it is, means go away. <laughs> this, this is where I'm going to bring up the bumper sticker that I got yeah. at Bongo Java mm-hmm. back in the day. It says, welcome to Nashville. Now y'all go, go home. home. Exactly. It's, and I had that on the back of my car back yep. in 91, <laughs> well, 92. Uh, we're we're, we're going <laughs> to coin a phrase. We're going to circle back around to this here in a minute, okay? Yeah. Uh, because there, there's something really kind of funny. So um, we get to 92. The marketing machine is from like all over. High it's gear. crazy. I mean, like, you know, they're, they're – the, the, it really is one of those things where all of a sudden, like these supermodels are wearing this, this quote unquote this is grunge you get crap. The, you, you get know? the height of heroin. Yeah, chic. yes, and it's just like oh, and, and I mean, you've had you've had the death of Andy Wood at this point. Yeah, ODN. There's been a couple others that they mentioned. That I can't remember off the top. Yeah, of Yeah, they were they were lesser. I, I don't want to say I don't. Oh, it was the what's her name from Seven Year Bitch. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, had died, and then there was somebody else. I can't remember that was out of that scene. That like. And then all of a sudden they're like, "Wait a second, we've got to start worrying about this heroin thing." Yeah, and this hurricane has spun up right to where everybody's kind of freaking out, going, "We have no control over what's going on right. anymore." And then everybody wakes up the morning of um, April. Oh, April fourth or April? April uh, no, it's April eighth, uh, wasn't it? April eighth. I think of it was April eighth of, ni- of nineteen ninety four, and Kurt Cobain yeah is gone. 
And it's one of those things that, <sighs> admittedly, I was not a huge Nirvana fan at the time. Okay, uh, I liked them initially, and then I fell off with them because they were just they were just hyped so much. I was kind of like, I'm eh, not gonna lie. Um, when they first came out they blew up so big. Mm-hmm. I immediately was like, I'm not listening to that because everybody's listening right, to that. Right. And I went in other directions, Yeah, but it was still one of those things that I remember. I, you know, I'll I was, admit I was even kind of nasty about it. Yeah. But I remember, you know, I was 20 years old when it happened and I was like, wow, that, wow, that's, uh, that's messed up, you know, just yeah. in general, because, you know, the thing is, is he had had that, overdose slash suicide attempt or whatever it was just a few months prior in, in Europe in Europe had and, come you know, home checked himself into that rehab place right. jumped the wall and yeah. disappeared yeah and that's exactly it and you know and you know how that broke do you know the story about how that whole story broke I it seems like I remember well there I, was what it was is that he had been dead for a couple of days yeah or a, a while anyway in in the house that he was in and an electrician came that was supposed to be working on something. And he knocked on the door and nobody came. And he, you know, he went around all the doors and stuff. And he wound up going up on this. Um, um, I think there was like a pat. There was a, a deck or something, and like there was it, like you could like look in the skylight. And he looked in the skylight and saw Kurt Cobain laying there, with yeah. blood. And so he calls calls the cops. You know, of course they get there and all that kind of stuff. And. I can't remember if it was him or one of his friends that he had talked to, uh, like shortly after this happened, called a Seattle radio station. This is in, this is 1984, and the story goes because yeah. they talked to the, the the DJ that was on the air at the time, and he and this guy called him and said, "Hey, you're going to owe me Pink Floyd tickets for this scoop I'm about to give you." And he said, "Kurt Cobain's dead. Like he committed suicide." And that radio station broke the news yeah. of it. But it was broken because of Pink Floyd tickets. That's the whole yeah, I was like, that's kinda it's it's kind of an epic story and kind of messed up all at the same time. Oh, it's you very know, messed I know. Up. And yeah. it's just like ah oh, you know. And I like Pink Floyd. Uh, yeah, I know. So and that was I saw them on that tour. That was when they were on the Divisionville tour, you know, and everything. So it's That's a, when they played out at Vandy, Vandy. Yeah. And I couldn't get tickets. Uh, I've yeah. never been so mad in my life. Yeah. Um but it was and then you know and the what thing was is, it is, a month later? Courtney Love comes out with a whole. No, it was with, like two weeks later. Two weeks later, live through this was dropped. Yeah, and it was like again, it was one of those things that this was already this was already in the. Yeah, but the fact that the album come, was named "Live, live through, through This," I know you think she killed him, so it's <laughs> you're on that conspiracy theory. So it's a. Um, I'm not going to deny that I think that, but I, I dislike her. I know, that much. I know. But it is and all I, those and, things. And we've talked about this. And there's before. been two or three documentaries that I've watched that I have know. pretty You've much convinced soaked in, me. Soaked in bleach and Kurt and Courtney and you know all that. Yeah. Have you? Did you ever see Montage of Heck? I think it was the HBO one where it's a bunch of home videos. No, uh, it's not just home videos. It's also like uh, cassette recordings that Kurt made like over the years and stuff. And it's uh, it's kind of interesting. But they also talk to other they talk to other people as well. You know, gotcha. is a, um, and um, here Tate again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's an earthquake going. I know. On. Uh, but the uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, with the whole um, um, Kurt Cobain died in April. And then, what was it, like two months later, um, Kristen 
um, was it Fife? Is that her name? She was the, she was the original bass player for Hole. Right. OD yeah. on heroin. And there was a lot, a lot of controversy around that because she wasn't known to be a, a drug addict at all. Yeah. Like, at all. And then all of a sudden, she had gone. Her, she had a Clinton starter kit. <laughs> Are you going to start talking about the Courtney the the Courtney Love uh, uh, kill list? <laughs> uh, but so it's one of those things that, as I have said multiple times, whether you whether you like Ms. Love or not, um, you gotta you gotta look at that time period and go, wow, that is some serious serious screwed up screwed up stuff to go through all right on top of each other. Yeah, and you know, and also you got to remember, Francis Bean was like two years old yeah. when this happened, you know? So it's one that she's got a two-year-old kid. She's got an album that's, that's coming out, like a major label album that's coming out. She's just killed she's, her husband. She's getting ready to go on tour for this album, and her husband has, is no longer with us, and then she loses one of her bandmates. Yeah, she and evidently had an argument with her and killed her, too. <laughs> It's funny because, like, in both of those both of these documentaries, no one has a good thing whatsoever to say about Courtney Love. Everybody <laughs> nobody, hates Courtney. Nobody has a good like Max or what's it not Max, but Buzz from um, the, the Melvins. Melvins was like she hated me from the beginning. <laughs> That's just like she's like she's like I got pushed to the back as soon as she came on the scene. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be a great documentary to go back into Seattle and interview uh, everybody. Just about Courtney, yeah, yeah, just about Courtney, and you name the documentary. Everyone hates. Courtney. Yeah, I could. It's a, uh, but so right between the shoulder blades. So we've Dave. got we've got this whole thing with with that happening, and this is also when you start seeing a lot of the quote unquote fake grunge bands that are like Bush being yeah. like probably the, the biggest yeah. the biggest example. Um, Candlebox. Candlebox had already been out at that point, but but they they yeah. were still in there. You know, you've got like a, which I can't I I can't believe I'm going to admit this. When Candlebox first came out, mm-hmm. I was like, "This is amazing! I yeah. love this whole album." That and, first album's pretty good, yeah. And then the second album came out, and then I started seeing interviews, and I'm right. like, "Why did I even right. like I know, this band?" But again, they did write a song about Andy Wood. You know, that's yeah. far behind. Is but about everybody Andy Wood. wrote a song I know, about. I mean, Allison Chains wrote a song about Andy oh, yeah. Wood. Um, it's Wood. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that song was about Andy Wood. Yeah, that song's about Andy Wood. Uh, um, but the, um, what was I saying? Oh, you had all the fun, like the the, the fake grunge bands. Yeah. You know that that, that kind of. Sorry, and I hate to I hate to put Everclear in that because they were never really a grunge no, band. They, they were definitely punk ethos. They were in the, the, they were kind of first pop, two albums, pop punk rock. Well, you know the first People, two albums are not though. That's the thing. If you, if you yeah. go back and you look at um, what was the name of that first album? Oh, uh, I can't remember the name of the first. But then the second one was uh, Sparkle and Fade. You know, yeah. and, and that's and it's the one, one of, that broke that broke them. But the yeah. thing is, if you listen to like not Santa Monica which I like the song Santa Monica yeah but if you listen to the rest of that album it is very punk well yeah and very dark but, because he's talking a lot about like his own heroin problems that he had had yeah. his brother dying you know ODing and that kind of stuff so but you know bands like 
Candlebox and right. STP got lumped into them. STP which I, is which I don't I think, think is got, really fair. They a, but they got was, they got lumped in with them. Now, what was funny is that you remember they were they STP had been around for a while. Yeah, and they were really kind of a, a glam band yeah. in the beginning, and then they when when their first album Core was released, they really or as they were recording it, they really decided we're going to lean into this grunge thing. You know, and yeah. they got they got compared to um pearl jam quite a bit yeah but once you get past that album they don't really sound like that anymore no they you know and it's like and it's a it's an okay it's it's one of the better fake like core is one of the better fake grunge albums yeah um but but once you get past that once you get into purple yeah it's completely different at that point it's i don't want anybody to misunderstand i love i do too i I think they're a great band right i think it's tragic that you know with what happened there right uh, you know, so you get in, and like I said, you had you had Bush, you had. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to because I had a whole list of these in my head. And of course, now they're all gone, but yeah, there were there was a bunch of these like, oh yeah, they listened to a lot of Nirvana, they listened yeah. to a lot of you know Alice in Chains, they listened to a you, know, you can get into a whole bunch. And, and what was kind of cool though, well, I don't say cool, is you had some of these like offshoot bands like Mad Season. Okay, Matt. Oh, that yeah, that was Lane. It's Lane Staley. Lane. It's the guitarist from Screaming Trees. Yeah. Uh, it's um, who else is in there? It's it's basically a, a grunge super band, yeah. a super group, is what it is. You know, now honestly, it's it's a lot of everybody that was in that band had some kind of substance abuse issue. Yes. Also, you absolutely. Know? Uh, you know, so you you had that kind of stuff, and 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 it was really that Matt that first Mad Season album, especially, oh, is great, super good. Um, and um, I'm trying to think of something because you know, Screaming Trees came around, you know, and they they like I said, they had been around for a little bit. They they were on that single soundtrack, and you know, yeah. the, I nearly lost you there. Kind of blew them up. Yeah. And then they they had another big hit in uh, the in the mid nineties. Um, I can't remember the name of the song now. Uh, anyway, it, yeah, the type of stuff. They were on Lollapalooza in ninety six. I remember seeing them then. That was when that album was out, and so it was one of those things. But by that point, it was really going away. You know, well, Kirk committing suicide. Was, was the it, it basically blew the wind was, out of the sails but, at that point. And even they talked about it in, in the VH1 because the thing is, his hype came out before this happened. But when yeah. Soundgarden broke up in 97. Well, Alice was still alive. Or, uh, Lane, Lane Staley, Staley was still But they hadn't done alive. anything in a while. You got to remember that. And they, they were talking about you know Lane and his problems. Which, and we like had, said, they hadn't heard from Lane that, in a while. Like, was, I hope he's doing okay. That, that, that doc like I said, was dropped in like November of 2001 or something like that. Yeah. Lane Staley died less than six months later. It was in April of 02. I know. Died. I was you on know? the radio station yeah. at the college. I know. You tell the story every time. So it's. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Know, but I Alice was one of what I say was, is to one of my favorite right, bands. Right. And that one caught me out of left field. Oh, I know. Like none other it was has one of those done that, to you know, me in the past. When, when I was told. You know, because yeah. it was one of those things that, like, I, I got a phone call from Brody. You know, I was at work, and he was like, hey, man, did you hear the news? I'm like, no. He's like, uh, yeah, they they found Lane Staley today. And I was like, wow. I was like, it was drugs, wasn't it? And he was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that that's that's sad, you know. And it's one of those things, you know, people to look at that that Nirvana live in New York, the Unplugged, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, this was the Nirvana's kind of swan song. You know, but they went on and, like, performed after that. Yeah, they did. 
really and truly the last time we saw Allison Chains perform was their unplugged. Yeah. That they did. And was it 96 or something like that? And the thing is, yeah. is they never toured again. No. After that. Well, they did put out another album with, uh, with Lane. That was the, the self-titled, you yeah. know, but had if the you, three-legged dog. Yeah. If you front. go back and listen to that though, Jerry does most of the singing. Yeah. On that. And, and then you get, um, and they didn't tour because Lane couldn't, he couldn't physically and, couldn't. And, and then you get the, the Jerry Cantrell solo, the solo stuff, right. Yeah. Which I saw Jerry Cantrell, in 98, I think it was. He, they, they yeah. were, he was opening for Metallica. And I was like, okay, this is cool. When's Alice in Chains going to go back out? Well, that's never... That version of Alice in Chains will never go never back go out back again. Out now, again. you also have to remember that by now, two original members of Alice in Chains are dead because of drug overdoses. Because of heroin. Mike Starr yeah. died, you know, a few years back. The same, you know, and it's just like, Dang, this is, I mean, it's just, we did a whole episode, if you haven't heard it before, we got an episode called The Lost Generation. Go back, and there's, and it's an unfortunate list yeah. of people from that generation of music. Not just, not just Seattle, but just like any, you know, from that generation. Rock, rap, hip right, hop, you it's know, all, all there, it. and it's like, this is just tragic how many people lost, and most of them were drugs. The vast majority of them were drugs, yeah. and the net, and the second leading cause of death was suicide yeah out of all of these and it's just it's so so tragic hey, and, and let me say this mm-hmm. because i know we have a huge heroin problem around this well, area and i know it's a big deal over around, where you live yeah <laughs> well not just where i, I know live. i know i know it, but it's it's more op- opioids than anything well it's, no uh, it, it's got is to it be, heroin it's over got, there it's yeah. heroin and because of the opioids honestly that's well, it starts with opioids and then it well, it started out with, you know... Oxycontin rural, and all that, yeah. The rural counties, you know, tended to be Oxycontin right. and meth. Well, the price on both of those, from what I understand, went out the roof, mm-hmm. and they went to the next cheapest thing, heroin, which right. heroin. And so now, you know, the rural areas are dealing with a really oh, bad heroin issue. I remember we were over in Ashland City that day, and there was a big billboard about getting yeah. Narcan. Like, you know, it was like, you have, how bad is it you have a billboard in the middle of town that says to get certified on Narcan. Well, I mean, it, that's no, just, it's, it's not, it's not just getting certified on Narcan. If you go and take the class and get certified, give it to you. they give it to right. you to carry with you in case you run that, across and somebody. That's, that's rough. I mean, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, that you have to be in that situation. So. And you know, folks, if you're having problems, yeah, there's help. Talk, talk to somebody. Dude, I, I've said this. If seriously. Especially if you haven't heard me talk about it before, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic, yeah. you know, and uh, and I will always be a recovering alcoholic because there is no oh I'm over it now, you know type yeah. stuff. And uh, you know I was at a pretty bad place in my in my life when I, before I finally got sober. <clears throat> and um, I always tell people like, look, I'm just an average dude that I, there's nothing major special about me or anything. If I can kick it, anybody can. You know, it's uh, yeah. It but just, look, you it, just gotta want to. A, a lot of this is it. The drug issues are a symptom of something else. And if you're in a place where you need something to self-medicate, mm-hmm. please go talk to Absolutely. somebody. Absolutely. There are people who will come and listen to you yep. and try to get you your help. So, so, you know, don't, don't, don't fall into the trap that the rest of these people fall right, into. Right. Yeah. 
And that's, uh, yeah, like I say, we're a downer here towards the end. But yeah, that, I did find, I, that was something that I had put, actually put a note in my head when I was, when yeah. I watched it. I was like, we need to, to recognize that that was right before Lane. And also the fact that, you know, they they talked to Cornell in, yeah. in that. And it's like, well, he's not with us any longer, you know. Cornell's not with us anymore. I mean, it's just. Um, and then, you know, then Chester Bennington followed right yeah, in behind yeah. him. And Cornell was a huge influence right, on him. Right. They were They were good friends. And. Um, the thing that I wanted to circle back around to. Sure. Did you watch hype all the way through the credits? Mm, no, I did not. <laughs> then you missed the best part of it. Okay. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, you know, they keep talking about towards the end of, of the hype documentary. They're talking about how Seattle had changed. Yeah. You know, like, like one of the guys, you know, from, I didn't know it was from a band I'd never heard of, but he's talking about, yeah, he's like sitting outside this nice, this nice like condo, you know, or whatever. Oh no, I did see this. I and did he was see like, this. And he like, was like, yeah, he's like, this was where my, uh, uh, this is where my, uh, my, my, our crappy rehearsal slash living space used to be that we were paying like a hundred bucks a month for or whatever. He goes, and now look at it, you know, yes. this is in 96, you know, they're talking about, he's like, like, look at this beautiful house. I know. Exactly. It's, they, a, it's like direct quote from talking. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where like they, they, they mentioned several things like that. Yeah. The, the kicker to all of it, though? With two guys from Sub Pop sitting on top of the building going, look at the land yeah, there was that, that we have. No, no, no. It wasn't even that. But that, they were talking about that, too. Yeah, like, look at what we did, you know, yeah. basically. Look at look at how we built Seattle. If you watch all the way through the credits, okay, the very last thing that comes up, you know, it, it rolls up the last thing, and then it rolls up, and it says, your town is next. <laughs> And it's one of those things, especially living in Nashville. Yeah. Like, yep, eventually it found its way here. And, uh, yep. yeah, and it's happening to a lot of cities. Or, you know, people decide they want to, don't want to live in the suburbs anymore. I want to live inside, you know, I want to live in, in the urban areas. Well, I don't want to just live in the urban area. I want to live in the hippest area yeah, possible. And pay ridiculous rents and, you know. And run the locals out. Yeah, pretty much. So it happened in Seattle. It's happened a whole bunch of places. Your yeah. town is next. Your town is next is 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 the capper on that. So uh, we'll have links to this stuff because I've, I've I actually found the entire hype documentary on YouTube. Uh, it does have some funny. I think it's German sub um, subtitles on it. Or yeah, something. which makes and some of the some of the, it trying. makes it a little difficult. Uh, it's actually available. I think on um, it's available streaming a couple of places. Um, I'll have to look it up. So I'll, I think, I think, I think it's an it's on Amazon Prime or something like that. Because I, I went and looked it up in the. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I can look it up here real quick because I've got that. Okay. Got that link in the. Um, yeah, but there were the amount of bands that were in this, and you can still find music from them around. You know, there was. Of course, you had Mother Love Bone. You had the Mono Men. You had the Walkabouts. You had the Lude. Um, the U Men. Um, uh, flop, flop. <laughs> uh, the Dead Men, the Super Suckers, Skin Yard. Um, who's some of the other bands? And I'm the Posies. Like, so I was telling Alan one of the things I did is I went to my Pandora account and I created a Green River radio station and I started plugging in these other bands. And it's funny what ends up mixed in with all of that music from Seattle. The stuff that's not from Seattle that gets lumped in with all of it. Right, right. And honestly, that my 
Pandora station now sounds very much like WRVU did back in like the early 90s. Let's see. It is available on uh, Prime Video, Tubi, Pluto TV, and Shout TV. Okay. Uh, Tubi and Pluto, obviously, you get it with ads. Shout TV, it's free. Nice. So, and of course, you know. I almost forgot to mention the gets. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, I forgot about them. Yeah, the gets. Well, you know, again, that was a... And, you know, with the gets, I think that I forgot to add their lead singer to... You know, their lead singer was murdered. Uh, No, I didn't know that. Back in the early 90s, yeah. Uh, She was... uh, um, She was. They, I think they were. They were leaving. They had played a, a show or something like that, and she was walking through the streets, you know, late at night or whatever. And yeah. someone like stalked her and murdered her. Wow! And it's still like an unsolved mystery of who did it. And, but it was one of those things. Probably that, Courtney Love. <laughs> but it was one. Of, but it, but it was one of those. Like it was like a major like. Yeah. Like it's 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 kind of like uh um, uh, what's her name. The, the big case here that was kind of unsolved for years and uh, um, they finally got her husband on it after 20 years oh, or I whatever. know who you're talking about. I can't think of yeah, it. Renee, yeah. Renee is screaming at me yeah, because you know Renee, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Renee actually knew the family. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of one of those where it's been, it's been unsolved for all this time. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it, again, it's, it's one of those, you know, those city tragedies that happens that everybody's kind of like, how could this happen? You know, because apparently it was a pretty brutal murder. I mean, like wow. pretty brutal. Um, That's terrible. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, um, go check out all these bands. You can't go wrong with them. I mean, there's admittedly, you know, musical tastes run different different places if, even if mine you, i mean i'm all over the place so i, I like a whole lot if you like the metal side right go listen to tad listen to the melvins right, right all of that if you like the punk rock side you know you're looking at mud honey right you're you're looking at um go listen to the gets you know, the gets. Uh, absolutely if you're you know, looking for a, the more melodic side of it the posies screaming trees right. mother love bone yeah definitely mother love bone you yeah there there it's, it's a little bit it's it, it if if you want the uh, the Pink Floyd side of it, go listen to Queensrÿche and <laughs> hey, don't don't knock Queensrÿche. That Operation Minds Crime album know, is a good album. It's, it's an it's it's good. It's good. Uh, I am a bigger Empire fan, but that Empire was a good album also. Know, it's uh, but again, but that one song ever it sounds like a Pink so, Floyd I know, song. I know, yeah. especially when they're doing the ah yeah, I know. it's like oh man, seriously. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, go go check them out. Go check out the, the that documentary hype. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's very insightful. Uh, of, oh, of we what didn't happens. get into the VH1 documentary. Okay, well we did a little bit. But this was the marketing machine side <laughs> of really, what happened in Seattle. But they also got the bigger names <laughs> to talk on this one than they did oh, in the other one. Um, I really enjoyed the hype documentary. I did too. VH1 can kiss my butt. That that thing was a piece of garbage. Well, it, it was, was like, this is the side of it that we pushed because right. this is the side of it that we wanted you to see. Well, like I said, it was them and Spin Magazine, you know, did this whole, oh, it's 10 years of grunge, you yeah, know, and it's like, screw both eh, of them. whatever, you know. Now, it was funny watching the Mud Honey guys, you know, because they were just like not taking it seriously <laughs> no. at all. Uh, what's the guy's oh. name? Arm. What's his first name? Um, Mark. 
Mark, Mark Arm, yeah. He was just, man, he was just like mugging for the camera the entire time. Now, I, I've got to eat a little crow. Okay. You know, because I've always talked about what a big Mud Honey fan I was and all mm-hmm. that. So I've gone back and I've been listening to all of my Mud Honey stuff that mm-hmm. I had. And I'm finding that my musical tastes have changed enough that uh-huh. I am not a real big Mud, Mud Honey, Honey fan, fan anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. It happens. And it's sad, too, when it happens. You know, yeah. It's like, uh, I love these guys. Like, what what happened? It's like, you know? I don't, it's like, I remember this music being so much better. I know. And now I this know. sounds like, oh. I know. I've, I've had that happen. I've had that happen more with movies or television shows that I watched when I was, yeah. you know, a kid. But it has happened with music a few times where I'm just like, oh. That's one that I was not <laughs> expecting to right. turn sour on me. Right. Um, I still like some of the Mud Honey stuff. I do not. Evidently, I remember it more fondly mm-hmm. than I, I should have. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. So. So. And uh, on that downer note, <laughs> sorry. Go and check out the show notes. There's going to be a lot in here. Uh, we'll have links to a bunch of stuff. Especially go check out our YouTube uh, channel because yep. there will be a lot of stuff on that playlist. And uh, matter of fact, the link that will be there will be a direct line to the playlist itself. Yeah. Um, and uh, go and check us out on social media. Um, the We're links on Instagram. are below. Instagram and Facebook. Uh, our Facebook pro, is kind of eh. our uh, email address is there. Uh, you can email us. You know, if you have questions or if you just want to say hey or suggest something for us to. Uh, hey, we need we need suggestions on who Grandpa can be for the yeah, yeah, stuff from our life. That, yeah. That, yeah, we're still looking for. We're those. still talking about that. Um, we, we didn't get a whole lot. We are coming up on our 100th episode. No. Yeah, and also our two-year anniversary and um so yeah if you guys have any suggestions for anything just let us know we'll be happy to uh we'll probably bother you <laughs> a little bit we won't just it won't just be like a, oh hey thanks for writing us it's like no please be our friends tell everybody you know about it <laughs> we're not desperate at all <laughs> so depending anyway. on how, how bad our self-esteem exactly. is on that day we may actually try to get you on the show <laughs> never know never know we've done it before we have done it we'll do it again <laughs> So, guys, thank you so much. I am Alan Smith. I'm the other guy, Big Dave. And we will see you next time. See ya.